Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Britainology, um, the podcast about Britain and what the fuck is up with it. I'm joined as ever by my co-host Nate Bethay. Not in room today because like everyone else in Britain, I have uh, suffered the dreaded cold, but also some other stuff. And so over overabundance of caution decided mm. to uh, to stay home because I have a fake job, but our guests have real jobs and I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I passed on something that made your lives harder. So uh, I am instead recording from South London, but uh, excited to still be in Britain regardless. Um, yeah, I also forgot to say my own name. Um which is my other but you probably know that. The reason for this is that um, I think to describe what I have today as a hangover would be not strictly accurate because um, I, my girlfriend had an art gallery dinner thing last night. I ended up getting home at four o'clock in the morning and I was wired. So I thought I'd had a brainwave, which was, what if I take some night nurse to knock myself out? Unfortunately, I slept really well, but I overcorrected and woke up at 2.30 p.m. And like, I'm still like, I feel like I've had a general anesthetic. Like my brain is about like four steps behind reality. Um, so yeah, it's a great day on which to record a podcast. <laughs> yeah, a highly cerebral episode about regional divides oh, in, yeah. in England. Yeah. Um, so we, we've brought on our special guests today. Uh, if you could introduce yourselves, please. Um, hi, I'm Robert Smith, and I write for the Financial Times, and um, I did the Greensill episode of Trash Future mm-hmm. over this year, which was really yes, fun. Yes, uh, and I, I, I was alerted to the possibility that you might be a good guest for a topic about North-South divides when Milo made a smug joke about uh, Darby, and you were like, I'm from Darby, and you cut yourself <laughs> off right before you said, you cunt. Yeah. And I was just like, perfect, flawless, <laughs> gotta get him back on. An American who thinks Darby's <laughs> in the North, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I mean, the Midlands is a whole law unto itself. Exactly. But I've brought along an actual northerner. Oh, yeah. Me. Yeah. Just here for the purposes of being a northerner. And I think that's all. Anyway, hi, I'm Kay Wiggins. I also work at the FT with Rob. Uh, and Rob told me he was doing a podcast about the North-South Divide and didn't have any actual northerners on the podcast. So mm. here I am. Yeah. It's the thing that would get us cancelled the most. We could do any other controversial <laughs> yeah. topic and people would be like, whatever, you know, it's fun. But we get this one yeah. wrong and that's it. We're done. Yeah. To be honest, um, love love Rob as I do. When <laughs> Nate Nate said that he'd booked this episode and he'd and he'd booked Rob, I was kind of like, I hope he hasn't just booked Rob because I feel <laughs> like I feel like this is gonna get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah, like North Face, like black face, right? It's like <laughs> this flat cap comes right off. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring this up because for most I, I think there's there's two points of entry here. The first is that many Americans, because of the call it perhaps ephemeral popularity of Guy Ritchie films in America (laughs) in the early 2000s have probably seen, or at least a certain subset of Americans have probably seen Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels in which stereotypes of the North versus the South are are quite pronounced. But that's almost inscrutable to Americans. And then also, I am kind of responsible for this if you've ever seen this and and rolled your eyes at it, because I used to work in the United, I'm from the United States. I, I worked in media in the US for a bit, have a bit of, um, my mutuals on Twitter are mostly American. And I shared that Joe.com video of the guy getting the wig and kebab and everyone just was like, well, oh, I yeah. don't understand what they're saying, even with the subtitles. And thus people started. Exactly. And so that happened. So that's, that's basically my fault. But um, I have a, a slight entry to this from the American side too, because my dad's whole family is from not just the South, but from Mississippi. And um, I had a coworker when I used to work in New York who was from Louisiana and she had basically had to go to great pains to, uh, extirpate her southern accent 
because it was sort of like a professional hindrance. Yeah. And uh, I... I realized there was kind of an analog to this in the United Kingdom, but perhaps more so because uh, accent stuff is so, and, and many other things are so more precisely dialed in here. And so I wanted to sort of bring that in with just talk about uh, if you if you wanted to sort of introduce this, like that. What is that conception of sort of uh, having to people who move south for work or for other reasons? Like, does it feel like you're moving to a different country, or is it is it more or less just like? you know, not, not as big of a deal as I'm making it out to be. No, I mean, I, I'd say, so, so Derby for people who are not aware, if mm. we have any American listeners is in a place called the East Midlands. Mm. So it's in like the dead middle of the country. Yeah. But uh, when I went to Cambridge university, which is an institution you went to as well, Milo. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. I suddenly discovered I was from the North. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought this was like ridiculous at first, but then, mm increasingly it was like wait a minute when i realized like words like cob which is a derby term for like a bread roll like right, everywhere okay. in the north has a different you know like the smack bomb like people. a bomb a yeah bomb like cake. a bomb like yeah. a bomb or a bomb cake yeah, yeah. um and is all it, of this shit i <laughs> bread rolls are like sort of fine wines in the north it's all about like <laughs> exactly. the terroir, yeah, the terroir and, yeah. but i remember saying bomb, like bomb cake? Oh, <laughs> exactly. i'll have like a ham cob and like someone looking at me like i'd pissed myself or something like, mm. like just like what the fuck are you? um and then yeah it kind of slowly dawned on me but the thing i really remember was in the first week of cambridge we're doing like all those awful kind of team building type shit like pastoral get to know each mm. other things and there was a session where like they were doing you know what was the first album you bought say something interesting about yourself or mm. that horrible cringe stuff that when you're in freshers week you're yeah. trying to be everyone's wearing capes and masks <laughs> yeah classic <laughs> yes exactly mm. eyes wide shut party yeah. no um but yeah they but they literally said like right now we're going to separate everyone into those from north of cambridge and those from south or like level with Cambridge. And north of Cambridge. Yeah. If you're from Peterborough, you're like from the north. Yeah, exactly right. I'm sorry, if you're but, from Ely, you're fucked. But they, they did this and it was like 30 people in the room. And I, I realized at this point, I was like one of four mm. with, I'm going to try and get this right. I think it was someone from Grimsby, mm. someone from Preston mm. and someone from Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> was, I'm pretty sure Ukraine is south I of know, I was like, she was, she <laughs> was very north. nice. She was like, I think it's like north of here, right? We're like, oh. Mm. And yeah, this was kind of my moment of like, I'm not, I've never considered myself from the north, but fuck, I mm. am actually from the north in this context of having come. From uh, the south. See, I had the kind of opposite thing when I went to uni. So uh, I'm from a place called Southport, uh, yeah. which is sort of north of Liverpool. Um, and I went confusingly to, not a port in the south confusingly no. not south and also not a port yeah <laughs> <laughs> confusion uh, of the enemy is yeah. what it's all about <laughs> um, but I went to uni uh, I went to Oxford and I got there and sort of kind of kind of carried this kind of northern thing with me for quite a long time as like a feeling out of place in this weird city and like it being something to kind of cling on to and like look for people that you would have something in common with on the basis of, which I realise is like stupid because mm. there's, there's not really very much basis for, you know, thinking you'd have more in common. But it's like a familiarity thing, right? Mm. Um, mm. And the, the college that I chose to go to um, when I was go doing like open days uh, in Oxford, there was uh, like a student um, doing these sort of open days in a particular college I went to, Hartford, and she told me that it was the college with the highest proportion of students from the north of England. 
in all of Oxford. <laughs> and I was like, right, wow. well, I'm in. And look mm. no further. Was it true? Well, I mean, that's a very low bar, right? Yeah. It's like an extremely low bar. <laughs> yeah, we've got three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can't we've got the Ukraine. The Ukraine. One. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got an outreach program in Galicia. Um, teamed up with the uh, the Azov Battalion to offer a special masters in um, the European Brain Band. Uh, did you befriend any Northerners then? Well, I did, but like, I mean, obviously. That's like not a very good proxy for like, will I be compatible with this person? And so like most of the people that I'm like still friends with now that I was at uni with are probably not from the north. But one of my best mates uh, from uni is from Yorkshire, mm. and and probably the whole northern thing actually was like a, a bit of a, a thing that sort of helped us. I don't know, brought us together. Uh, mm. It's interesting, but, isn't it? Because I feel like there's there is this very pronounced like kind of thing about like the north and the south, yeah. but it's not. It's quite like illusory. Yeah. Um, like Britain is so class ridden. And I think a lot of people have this concept that like people from the north are like working class or like, whatever, right. which yeah, doesn't like bear any relation yeah, to reality. I remember, yeah. I remember so like another thing on like Derby kind of being pretty northern despite not being northern is like I have, mm. I have the short A as K does. So I say glass instead mm. of glass, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember growing up, I thought everyone who said glass was posh. Mm. Even if they were like the Guy Ritchie Cockney criminal, they would yeah. sound posh to me because they were like saying glass. I yeah. didn't actually have a conception. I, I just thought that's what posh people yeah. said. I think that's pretty mm. common in the, in the yeah. north. I mean, everyone, you hear the, you hear the, the art, yeah. glass, glass. People sound. go, ooh, glass. Mm. Yeah, like exactly. People make a you big just deal hear it as posh it. without yeah. any, yeah. Yeah. You've got to find out who's your fucking grass. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, all right. Mr. Fancy. Basically, yeah, I probably watched Lockstock when I was like a teenager and was very confused by all these very posh gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen, I thought Stephen was from Eton or something. <laughs> Listen, Cupcake, if I don't make it to Divs in the next 15 minutes, the Latin master's going to have my ass. <laughs> Basically. Mm. Yeah, I, I was... Uh, I guess for me, so my, my mom's from England. That's how I was able to to get ah, a British passport and move here to work. Didn't but know that. My, my mom moved to America. Her dad was an American airman who was stationed here. And so she moved to America when she was a little kid. So I grew up with some kind of cultural things about it, but not a ton. I mean, I watched some things um, that she was into into that were like British television, but not not a ton. And so when I was young, I couldn't really, or even, even as an, a, probably a young adult, couldn't really tell the difference between regional accents. Mm. Now living here, I, I'm better at it. I can definitely tell when someone's from the greater Merseyside, we'll call it that. Um, <laughs> Where are you some defining extent. this as that? Oh, no, just, oh, just oh now you're going to quiz me on English geography. Uh, I, know, I know that one time... <laughs> there was a very... There, I, I made the mistake of talking about... Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with this, but uh, but uh, the American rapper Buster Rhymes, uh, his parents are Jamaican, and he's got relatives here, and he's got relatives in America, obviously. And... Um, he uh, <laughs> he got in trouble when he was a teenager, like screwing around in school, and I think he wound up getting expelled. So his uh, his family's punishment for him was to send him to Morecambe uh, to live with his relatives for uh, a couple of years, and then he moved back to America. And I made, I guess, out of sort of shorthand, described was like, yeah, I didn't realize Busta Rhymes had this Merseyside connection, uh -huh. and everyone's like, that is not fucking Merseyside. And like, I got like fifteen angry replies correcting me on on the geography. So yeah, I'm, I'm very wait, wait, wary. Welcome. Of yeah, Morecambe. Okay, yeah, I'm saying right. it wrong. My bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah, very yeah. Much not once again, once again, foiled by a, a, a <laughs> name pronunciation. This gets me a lot. Um, but yeah, he. Um, I 
I can tell those kinds of accents to some extent now, but beforehand, and I think for a lot of Americans, uh, they can't at all. Like, it's just, oh, okay, people would just, they'll, they'll, you know, I, I kind of blithely refer to them as British accents. And it's like, all right, okay, if it's an English accent, right, you can, you know, mm. discriminate there. But like, it's just more that we can't really hear the difference. Um, because, it, and also most of what we hear on television, in movies, et cetera, is going to be received pronunciation or mm. some kind of really done up so sort of, you know, for like a um, Merchant Ivory film about like the early 20th century or something like, Peaky Blinders, where it's just sort of like, okay, I'm along for the ride. These people talk funny. I'm putting the subtitles on. Um, <laughs> when I watched Train Spotting for the first time, I had to watch with subtitles. Now I realize that's Scottish, but mm. same sort of effect. I don't think yeah. Americans are really familiar with like how particular it can get, and that like there are these stereotypes attached to it. And also, I think another thing too that really doesn't come across is how London centric the UK is with regard to professional yeah. things. Yeah, mm. and so that was kind of what I wanted to talk to touch on was that like I imagined that for you both that um, you went to university in the South, but then obviously now you're working in London. So there's this sort of, well, I don't, I don't know if, if uprootedness would be the right term, but I'm interested in your experiences, sort of like what that's been like, because I've known a, n- a number of Americans who are from the South who have then gone on to work in the North. Um, and some people hate it and eventually move back, you know, like people who work in finance jobs in New York and then they're like, fuck it, I'm moving to Charlotte because I can't stand this place. But some people wind up just sort of adopting it and they lose, they lose their accents over time. Mm. Um, but it seems like that's a way more pronounced thing here to me, at least. I was just going to proffer that. Um, I used to date a girl who was from San Francisco and her mom's friends used to watch like a lot of British TV, like Peaky Blinders and Downton Abbey. They watched Downton Abbey with the subtitles on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely incredible. <laughs> the most cut glass pronunciation you can imagine. They're like, what are they saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's God. uh it can it can it can genuinely be a challenge. I've never encountered people who have the reverse problem, like most people it seems that can can absolutely understand me when I speak. Uh some people are more more are um, more enthralled by it than others, but uh but I definitely feel like that's a that thing with Americans is they don't realize we we don't realize how how much variety there is and then how much of a sort of like call it normalizing in a bad way kind of effect the city, the, the country being so London centric is in the sense that there is, from my perception, at least kind of like a pressure to sort of southernize yourself. And I'm interested in your experiences or any kind of reflections yeah, you have. I on mean, that. I think most like normal countries split up all the like powerful things. So you have politics in one bit, you have finance in another bit, you have the media in another bit. So in like America, you have politics in Washington, you know, you have um, the movie industry in LA, you have other bits in the media in New York, you have all these mm-hmm. different bits. But even mm-hmm. in like Europe, obviously in like Germany, you have politics in Berlin and finance in Frankfurt. Mm. In the UK, it's all piss in-, guy in Berlin. Really. <laughs> yeah, you have the, the piss. Yeah, you were in Berlin recently. <laughs> Did you get pissed on? <laughs> Sidebar. You haven't been if you didn't get pissed on. Um, but yeah, I mean, but like, the UK is just fucked in terms of, you know, the politics is in London, the media is in London, like everything is in the London. The BBC is in Salford. <laughs> I mean, you know. The BBC has a token outpost in Salford. I think yeah. we're becoming too Salford-centric in this country. <laughs> but yeah, I think like in terms of if I did like a normal job, I'd probably, I wouldn't want to live in Derby and that's, I, I really like Derby and it's fun. I'd like growing up there, but like mm. I could see myself living in Manchester or wherever. It's like a, it's a proper city. There's a fun mm. thing to, fun stuff to do there. But like, if you write for, if you write for, if you're a financial journalist, as mm. K and I are, 
there's not really anywhere other than London you can do that. No. Yeah. Although arguably there should be a lot more financial journalists in the north, yes. given how like all of the most or lots of the most interesting stories we've written. I was writing about a northern about company companies today. Companies in the north yeah. of England, like mm. Hut Group, EG Group, all Green, these. Greensill like, had a big Greensill office in Warrington, right? Yeah, in Warrington. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, so maybe we should decamp and set up. Oh, no, you're right. Like, we there should FT there should presence. be more FT journalists in in the north, but like there's not because of the London. You know, it's time for the FT Birkenhead office. <laughs> oh, yes. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting for me because I'm from Indianapolis, but um, there, I would, there's just no way I would want to move back for a variety of reasons for what I'm doing. And also just because it's Indianapolis, it's the most boring city on the planet. But Chicago is about as far from Indianapolis, I believe, as Liverpool is from London, maybe a little further. And so Chicago is sort of like the, the regional center that hoovers up people who want to have those kinds of professional jobs in not... I mean, and I'm not trying to be pretentious about it, but kind of more parochial cities. So Chicago is kind of like you've got world, like the world class city stuff going on there. Like people get sent there internationally, that kind of a thing. Whereas Indianapolis, unless you work for some kind of car racing thing or you really, really just want to live in a city with a perfect grid, you're not going to like move to America to move to Indianapolis. I take that back. If you work for pharmaceutical companies, maybe. But the, the, it, it's interesting to me, though, because, yeah, like you just said, Britain has this kind of unipolar nature. The U.S. is huge and you've got these like regional centers and sort of regional elites within them. And so, you know, people who are in the West Coast tend to migrate towards the Bay Area or to, to Los Angeles or to Seattle these days. Like you said, in the north, you've got uh, or in the northeast, you've got New York, you've got Boston, you've got D.C. for various things. I guess for me, I being from the Midwest, uh, I never had anybody, there, there's never any weirdness, like even working in, in New York in a place where, for example, like you may have encountered this, East Coast people have a different accent than the Midwestern English accent. Like I might sound like CNN broadcaster speak, but people in New York don't, they, they do talk in a kind of a subtly different way, but there's no pressure to like change your accent really. However, if you're from the South, people assume you're an idiot yeah. if you don't change your accent. And uh, and I'm, I was wondering like, is that the same kind of thing here like do you feel as though like there's and not to like to like like ham up any kind of notion of of that it's just i'm wondering from your own experience like have you felt as though that is a thing where like there's this pressure to sound southern to to to, to act southern that kind of a thing well i was chatting to an american friend of ours about uh accents uh and mm. sort of what what that they make of the uh the north south divide it's probably worth at this point reading mm. out what they, they said, which was... Kay's made notes and like come yeah, prepared. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah none of us yeah, yeah. have phenomenal. <laughs> well, I screenshotted this, which was... <laughs> uh, I was asking what they think of the North-South divide. The response was, I have no concept of it. The Northerns are meant to be nicer. That's all I think I know. But <laughs> they sound funny and therefore their job prospects are limited? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's Britain. Everyone's job prospects are limited. <laughs> this is a wonderful like Victorian anthropologist field guide. Wearing a helmet. Yeah, this is like a, Brit a yeah, an explorer on the Solomon <laughs> Islands in the 1850s or something like that. Mm. It's nothing to do with like trying to wash away my accent but i'm notorious for like just kind of being very malleable with my accent so like mm. my, my partner's canadian and i remember when we first started going out i like kind of picked up a canadian accent but like i remember like at cambridge like by the time i finished there i'd go home and like all my friends in derby would like take the piss out of me because mm. they said like oh you know you're really posh now all the usual shit but then one of my mates there who was like he what this this person was not like posh he was just like a normal person from the south to be clear he started like doing an impression of me and it was literally like a Monty Python style for Yorkshireman, like, oh yeah, my day and all this. <laughs> and, but like, I didn't know he was actually doing an impression. I was like, mm. oh, who, 
sorry, who who are you doing an impression of? And he was like, like you, that's how you talk. And I was like, <laughs> it was this just incredibly bizarre out of body experience where I was like, do I talk? Yeah, I was like going to say, because I, I until I found out that you were from yeah. Derby, I wouldn't have picked you out as not being Southern at all. Uh, I mean, I used that. I used to, you know, I used to talk a little bit more like this when I was growing up. Right, and like yeah. if, if I was in a pub in Derby around this kind of, Particularly if I was in a smoking area in Derby. Mm. Like this is the big north south difference I think of actually mm. is like if you're in a club in the north, like everyone fucking talks in the smoking area like mm. a lot. Horrifying. To the extent like <laughs> I basically became a cigarette addict because of this. Cause it was just like really fun mm. yeah. socializing and but like if I was there, I'd I'd naturally just become more The North sponsored by Philip Morris. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um I don't know if you found like when you go yeah, back home you definitely yeah. that malleable thing like completely like when I ring my dad mm. now I still have or my mum like I still have a very different accent than I would have on like a phone call for work typically. Yeah. Like mm. hi dad, you're right. Much more like Yeah I, Hi yeah. dad, you're right, how's it going? You know like it's just a very I would never yeah, yeah. ring a, a work contact contact. No. Oh, I would yeah. say even so I that, have that I mean, I grew up in Essex, um, and you would not guess, I don't think. But I mean, like my, I mean, one of my siblings lives in the states, so she sounds kind of mid-Atlantic in a weird way. But like my other, <laughs> my other siblings are like very sort of that kind of northeast London Essexy sounding accent. Like my brother sounds like a Guy Ritchie character. <laughs> we had we oh, had my brother him. on for he an was episode. On the city, yes. yeah, 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 exactly. And 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 one of our one of our patrons was like, I didn't realize that accent was real. I thought they made it up for movies. Yeah, and it's like, no, no, no. That's that's how he talks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, my nan is four foot seven and just like unironically says stuff like, "Bleed now, you're having a bath, and yeah, like that." You know, and somehow this has produced me. But I think, yeah, when I'm around them, I probably talk differently. Yeah, your brother was like a wonderful time capsule of the old city when yeah. people like those Essex market they would have been market traders but they happened yeah. to get a job broking Forex or whatever. Like it was mm. it was very um yeah. It captured that vibe. I mean I, I noticed this mm. at, at home as well. My um my cause my when my grandfather was still alive, when my dad was around him, his Mississippi accent would come out way more strongly. Because my grandfather was born in the Mississippi Delta in like nineteen twenty nine and he he talked like a guy from the South. And when he was talking, like tell stories about going down a swimming pool like that, it's very, mm. very much like, oh, brother, where art thou? 100%. Right. That's what he sounded like. Mm. And that that's not even really like people who are from there now. It's not quite as, as pronounced anymore. Um, it's just stuff's gotten flattened over time. But I noticed that too, that I was always, you know, as a kid, you're always kind of like observing the way your parents act around their parents, or around other adults. And I noticed my dad's Southern accent would come out more. And I've even noticed it when I first came here, visit here for work. Uh, I would pick up on not not the accent so much as like the intonation, the way you would ask questions, for example, like, oh, are you are you, are you going to go home after work then? That kind of thing, kind of raising your voice at the end as a question. That's not really the way Americans talk. And But the longer I've lived here, <laughs> the less I do that now for some reason. I use more Britishisms, but there's also a sort of like weird defiant Americanness, I guess, where I'm just like, no, I'm going to talk like a guy from Indiana forever. <laughs> and I, I but, but at the same time, though, I think... I'm kind of, and I think Canadians too, like North Americans in general, we're kind of granted that latitude in a way mm. because our mm. accent is just sort of like, oh, it's just this thing that it's inscrutable perhaps, or it's just, it doesn't mark any one thing or another unless you, unless you talk like, like Brooklyn Guido guy, which my old landlord who I'm friends with uh, was here for business recently. And I was talking to my wife after he and I went out and got dinner and she was just like, you, you, you're talking like a Brooklyn guy. What's, what's going on? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, just being around him. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to get some coffee, that kind of a thing. Like, mm. It does happen, um, but for us at least, for you know, expat Anglophone people, I guess mm. there's not really uh, a pressure to like 
forego that. If anything, people are just sort of, I mean, my, my impression is you're kind of like tick, they're tickled by it. Like, oh, you say funny American things. Like, haha, isn't that funny? I think um, this is maybe a good to... time to mention the time that Nate and I went to Liverpool to do a video job. <laughs> oh, God. And... Oh, you mentioned this on one of your other podcasts, right? Oh, really? They were really awful. They were like, yeah, they, they hated you, basically. It was so much right? whenever Nate I haven't heard this story. Whenever yeah. Nate would, we'd get in a cab or whatever. And if Nate did the talking, everyone would be perfectly polite. And as soon as I started talking, people would be like, fucking Southern cons. Like, straight away. <laughs> 100%. No, I could ask the exact same question. Like, oh, you're American. That kind of a thing. And then they'd be the outside. from the Highlands. The only thing I remember that I could even pronounce correctly in, in, a, in a Liverpool accent was I remember asking the guy, and he's like, oh, yeah, there's a car park in the Bach. And I was just like, do you speak English? Like, but <laughs> Well, weird, funny that you say that. Do you speak English thing? So one of mm-hmm. my uh, friends, good friends from uni is from Essex. She's from, like, she's, from, <laughs> she's from like Woodford, so. Oh, wow. Okay, that's near me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it kind of is, yeah. Uh, anyway, I took her out clubbing in Liverpool once, a long time ago, uh, and some scouse bloke was trying to chat her up in this club, um, and she wasn't particularly interested, let's say. Anyway, she literally turned around to him and said, excuse me, are you speaking English to me? He walked away pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, I, 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 I mostly you know, understood what people were saying. But for example, when like the cabbie who was like smoking in the cab and was not particularly interested in taking us as a fare unless we paid cash, like he was definitely like, how do you describe this? More amenable to compromise with me versus when Miles started talking to him, he was just like, oh, "Fuck off!" And it's just it it, it is Scottish. <laughs> hey guys, it's broadly the north, you know. It's it's yeah. there. It's north of it just, here. It the north to the nearest magnetic point that Nate can do the accent, which happens to be Glasgow. Um, yeah. yeah, well, that's the thing too. Is there those? There are those finer points. Uh, of accents that you know the only time I can ever imitate something correctly is if I've heard someone say it who has that accent and it's made such an impression on me and I guess with northern ones it's just much harder but uh, yeah. yeah I I, um, I did feel like Milo you were kind of <laughs> less welcome there than I was and uh, but at the same time you were right people I, I do think that the, 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 the broader stereotype was pretty true that people were really friendly they were perhaps chattier mm. um, it just it like it didn't seem as well, obviously, like London's a huge city, you know, so people, it's just like, it's like America people, if you come and you visit the United States and be like, God, Americans are so unfriendly. I only visited Midtown Manhattan. It's like, yes, you might get that impression. Um, but I did, I did find that, yeah, it did seem like it was, things were friendlier. And people that I know who are from America, for example, who have lived here, lived in the North, have said the same thing that, um, that it's that, that, that culturally there are some big differences. And so I was sort of wondering, yeah, like, I like definitely had to get warned when I moved to London, like not to start conversations on public yeah. transport with people. Like that's <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> that, that is so true. I remember like mm. back in Derby, like public tra- Well, the the big difference with public transport is it's really fucking expensive anywhere other than London. Yeah, right? that's like, what's wild. Yeah. like you get a bus in London yeah. for one fifty, but as so, soon as you're outside London, it's like two quid, three quid. Well, this like- is the thing. So like our bus into town, as yeah. we call it, like so I lived in the suburbs. You didn't mm. say like Derby city centre. You just said oh going to town. But mm. like there was a different rate for every like bit right and it was like three pound fifty to drive like 20 minutes down the road right mm. but you had this conversation with the bus driver like oh i'm going to town please oh yeah 350 and when you got off the bus you always said like oh thanks mate cheers mate 
And I remember the first time getting a bus in London and I didn't mm. realize it was a flat rate. Like you just tap your oyster, right? So yeah, like yeah, yeah. try to have a conversation with like, oh yeah, I'm just going to like King's Cross. And like this guy's like looking at me like, why the fuck are you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> and then like I tried to say like, oh, and this is before the uh, Boris buses with the bits mm. you could, yeah, I try, yeah. I try, I try to go out the front say like, oh, but he's like, no, no, not that door. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, okay. So mm. you don't, talk to the driver yeah. <laughs> you don't exit by the driver and say mm. yeah so it's like deprogramming myself from politeness yeah. on public transport we've been ready for covid for a long time in london <laughs> yeah. it's our spiritual <laughs> state of being it's kind of the same thing in new york that i mean i lived in new york for four years and it's basically yeah you don't really start conversations but if if there's call it this if there's a good reason to people do mm. and it's not really considered weird it's just like there's the sort of hey, how are you doing kind of making conversation? People don't do that. But like if something happens, people will talk to each other or like there's a call it a slightly like jokiness about it. And here it does seem like it's far more rigidly enforced that you just don't. And so I, I wonder sometimes if a lot of American stereotypes of call it England in, you know, at large mm. are just based on their experiences in dealing with Londoners and they just presume that everywhere in this country is like that and that it's actually like, even people who are from England are taken aback by it being, call it more hostile or just more closed off. Because um, that's definitely, I don't know, that's definitely a stereotype that Americans have of of England in general. That mm. that people are introverted, that they're mm. they don't, you know, they they're they're very um, not forthcoming. That people are reserved. They've clearly never taken the tube at exactly 11.01 p.m. on a Friday night when it's like it stops being quiet business and starts being sweet Caroline and just bottles yeah. being swilled everywhere. Um, <laughs> slightly different than New York, we'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do wonder sometimes if like that conception, like American stereotypes of Britain are basically based on their grandparents or grandfathers who were stationed here after the war and like people's tourist experiences in just London. When I was a student, I used to quite often get the last central line home to Essex and the shit you would see was incredible. There was a lot of, you know, yeah, sweet Caroline, very drunk people, whatever. But I remember distinctly one night being on the last tube and every, like everyone on this tube is absolutely hammered. But there's one guy um, who is so drunk that every time the train stops, he falls over. <laughs> and another guy, every seat is taken, and another guy who is so drunk that he can't really talk gets up and he's like... Mate, you should sit down. <laughs> and then himself is like white knuckling the pole. <laughs> like the hierarchy of drunkenness. Did you ever see that video that it was like the sun and everyone shared it of that guy pissed out of his mind offering everyone else coke on the No. Oh, it was amazing. He <laughs> was clearly like some worked in finance but like kind of back office finance. Mm. So back office means you do like the more administrative stuff in the bank rather. So you make yeah, like yeah, a yeah. great salary by normal person standards. Sure, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, a bit like your brother would have been like all those yeah. years ago. But yeah, he was like pissed out of his mind on the tube and he like pulls out a wrap of Coke and he starts like offering it to like everyone. And he says something amazing. Like if you're not here to it's fuck around, like you don't <laughs> have to do it. But he's being like polite yeah. and aggressive at the same time. It's what? polite to offer first, isn't it? Before <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, that's the... <laughs> I, I, pr I presume that doesn't take place in 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 Derby no, or Southport. No, I mean that's uh, I mean that's another thing. Like the Coke is a very London thing, and mm. like so. I, I mean, not saying as an FT employee, not saying whether I've ever partaken in illegal mm. drugs in your capacity. But, as yeah, as an in FT my employee. capacity as an FT employee. <laughs> yeah. I remember. So when I was growing up, I used to go out in Sheffield a lot, mm. which is in the north because it was like the nearest big club city. It was like forty mm. minutes on the train, yeah. and like. 
everyone did pills like everyone did ecstasy mm, yeah. and it was like really high quality it was like you know one pound a pill or something like that but like no one mm. did fucking cocaine because it's like ex- that's those northern price isn't it <laughs> no but, yeah. that, but that's the thing like cocaine's like really expensive and the effects last half an hour so like mm. the value conscious northern customer <laughs> is an interesting the businesses you start last forever <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah this is a similar experience as a midwesterner I didn't mm. I never saw it until I mean I, until I I I was not prepared for how ubiquitous it is in the United Kingdom, but until I moved to New York, like I didn't know people who who use drugs like that, mm. uh, you know, socially or casually even because it was just so uncommon. Uh, whereas like everyone in the Midwest knew someone who had like, you know, like the crawl space in their attic had a huge bag of weed in it or something right. like that. And like the drinking problem that Midwesterners have is 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 comparable to the English relationship with alcohol, mm. uh, even if all of America is not. But yeah, I did know. I I, ha- I did kind of wonder about that kind of a thing too. Like, are there culture shock things going out socially or at work where you're just sort of like you were confused by a thing that didn't seem to confuse anybody else? As an actual northerner, okay, I feel like you should say something because mm. I've been doing a lot. <laughs> the thing is, it's been so long that I've lived in the south that I'm yeah. like one of these. Uh, You've assimilated. Assimilated, yeah. So now there's like there's definitely like turns of phrase and like definitely like mm. words that I've used to describe stuff to people, and they just looked at me like, "Sorry, you're suggesting mm. like what? What is this?" Like, mm. um, I'm trying to think if there's any. I think I've, the thing I have done is started conversations on public transport, and yeah. people have been like, mm. "No, no, 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 <laughs> do not do that ever." Like, there's, yeah. there's, uh, <laughs> well, did you bring that like, thing we were talking about in the office? That cultural. Oh, uh, so in my okay. in my this extensive research, right. so I found on on the internet. A, a publication that is, I think, designed for like international students in the UK, mm-hmm. okay. uh, and it um, explains to them the differences between the North and the South of oh. England. Yeah, uh, this is amazing. It says there is no denying that people who live in the North of the UK have very different characteristics from those living in the South. <laughs> it's the pith helmet again. <laughs> the natives, <laughs> which leads to intense rivalry between the two. Intense rivalry. Mm. Uh, Northerners accuse Southerners, especially Londoners, of being Southern fairies. (laughs) (laughs) This is the Garth Ritchie. Mm. uh, This means they think that people from the South don't know what honest day's work means and (laughs) and spend too much time in wine bars. Uh, which I think oh, is that's brilliant. great. Southerners, on the other hand, refer to people from the north as inverted commas northern monkeys. Yeah, mm. yep. which means they think northerners are uncultured. Mm. <laughs> but uh, does yeah. that include Ukrainians? That's the real. <laughs> that's Where the real is that question. on the axis? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they then also on this website it says you may also want to read at the bottom mm. reading material number one the lowdown <laughs> on Brits and their teeth. <laughs> what? Oh wow! <laughs> what? Uh, number two. Uh, why do Brits call strangers love deer or duck? Which is um, genuine. Yeah, good, we used to say duck. Duck is quite a Midlands yeah. thing. But I say a up. That means hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. Duck. So I yeah. say a up mid duck. I didn't realise a up and mid duck came that far south. Yeah, I mean, because it's a Yorkshire thing, basically. Because I associate Darbyshire. duck more with the northwest, like Lancashire, and mm. a up more with Yorkshire. But maybe that's. No. Well, there's a lot of cross. They're basically like, particularly Yorkshire and Derbyshire, because they do border each other. Have yeah. a lot of crossovers. Right, so, like, okay. do you remember that? It became really popular because it was an Arctic mm. monkey song called Mardi Bum. 
Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. Mardi is a word you I use growing up. You can't sing along to the Arctic Monkeys without doing the voice, can you? <laughs> All right. But this is the thing. So Mardi kind of means moody, but it means like more aggressively, like someone who's Yeah, we'd really, say that in the South as well. Yeah, yeah, but I remember like no one really knew about it in the South until the Arctic Monkeys song. Like, yeah. I think So this is something actually that I thought was quite interesting um, when Nate was asking you and Kay about um that kind of like cultural differences or like phrases and things like that is i think that um that kind of p- particular london and sort of essexy type speech is also very different from other kinds of speech and sometimes has more overlap with the north or like more just like weird stuff yeah. that other people in the south also wouldn't know like i often come out with like cockney phrases that well, like well, people like Nate. <laughs> posh people disdainfully call it estuary english don't yeah, they yeah like, like um, they, they look down upon it as well like, yeah, yeah, and so things like Mardi, I can remember people saying like, yeah, in Essex when we were like young teenagers, oh. like yeah, like pre-Arctic monkeys. But I think that's I think that's more likely to be like an Essex thing than it is like a, <laughs> a thing they would say in Oxfordshire. I once went on a stag do with like fifteen people from Essex. Oh my god! And, I'm st- and you're alive. No, but this thing is yeah. actually like the most fun I've ever had in my life. Mm. It was it was brilliant. But um, yeah, there were like two non-Essex people there, of which I was one. And um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes do think that Essex is sort of like an enclave of the north and I the think south. Essex <laughs> and Liverpool have got a lot in common. Yeah. Okay. As someone who has, well, I've never lived in Liverpool. But I, Liverpool's like the city that mm. I would go to the most as a teenager. Yeah. So Liverpool's like I don't know, like it's pretty close. It's pretty to close to Southport. Yeah. Probably yeah. technically not the near. I think probably Preston is technically the nearest city, but like <laughs> I never went to Preston. You yeah. just if you grew up in Southport, you go to Liverpool on your weekends. No one's going uh, to Preston of their own free will, are they? That's not. <laughs> Not a thing. No. Uh, sorry, Preston. Um, I wrote the word Preston in a story today, so, so it mm. might be in the uh, FT tomorrow if mm. it doesn't get edited out. Of course, you're writing about the ordinary boys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, when I was, uh, yeah, when I would like go out in Essex, yeah. and when I lived in Essex for a few years, immediately after you lived in Essex for a few years. yeah, yeah, after I finished uni, I lived in Woodford. Yeah. Yeah. She was doing research for that North South Divide Advice uh, <laughs> column. <laughs> yeah, you failed to mention you wrote that. Um, yeah. yeah. It was there. Anyway, they, um, yeah, it was like really similar, right? To Liverpool. There's just so mm. much. In- like, if you go to a club in Essex, everyone looks the same as the people in Liverpool. Right. And that's a very specific yeah. look. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I like think- having been clubbing in Oxford at uni, you basically go yeah. clubbing in like, like, I don't know, like, jeans and flat shoes right yeah. and it, it, like you know it's like a very different world and then you, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. i've gone from liverpool where it was like you know you wear like you know a bodycon dress and a pair of stilettos and some fake you've had your hair rollers in all, all day. day no i yeah. actually have done that several oh, okay. times yeah, yeah like nice. the all day roller thing yeah mm. but you, you go into a shop in liverpool with rolls in your hair like no one really no one bats an eyelid yeah. so they'd be more surprised sometimes if you didn't have rollers in your hair in the that was the thing that Saturday shocked afternoon. me the most the first time i went to yeah. liverpool with my cousin did a phd in liverpool and we went up to visit him and we we're just like hanging out there during the day and just how walking around the town centre and there were like almost every woman yeah, yeah. you saw was out it was on a Saturday all, all had a roller. in pyjamas yeah. yeah. with they rollers in their hair. Yeah. 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 I yeah. thought I thought that was like a joke as well because it was it was on they had there was this brief Liverpool reality TV thing I can't remember what it was called it was like an early like only way is Essex thing but about oh, Liverpool okay. and it's great gimmick was that they all had their rollers in and everything. Oh, this me and I just thought it was invented for the show until no no it's very yeah. much a real thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, went, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have believed that was real if you would say it was real like to me I would think it was some sort of like Pat Barker's Union Street slash some kind of really grim soap opera if you want your hair curls to stay in all night then you've got to have them rollers in all day 
Yeah, it's fair. funny that you should mention that though with the, the sort of the the day rigger outfit that you would wear because when Milo and I went up to Liverpool mm. for the video shoot we did, we got notified kind of late on. Uh, it was on a Saturday night. Mm. We we thought we needed to meet them on Sunday afternoon, and we were going to leave early Sunday morning. And then it turned out they wanted to meet us on Sunday morning, so we had to to get up there asap. And so uh, we left London at like eight thirty or nine p.m. We didn't get to our hotel in Liverpool till about three in the morning. So three in the morning on a Saturday night, you can imagine our hotel was right near the docks. It was in like. Some it, it, it was a like nightclub like in the hotel, in, like in on, the hotel, like in and, the, and the hotel floor. looked like it was it was you know it, it would feature in like a photo of the Titanic being christened or something like that. And the nightclub when we went to go get um get our keys, there were people standing around who were getting ready to leave. There were guys outside, you know, having three a.m. takeaways and stuff like that. And there were women who were I'm, I'm 37. There were women who were probably about my age. Um in what I would describe as uh, leather saran wrap, but as little as possible. And it was November. Yeah. It was it was mm-hmm. right before no- Remembrance Sunday. And they were wearing poppies. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> I have gone to a oh, different yes. country. The, the lest we forget thong is a powerful... Um. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself like, all right, like there was culture shock when I went to London for the first time, but this is something completely different. I, I remember the culture shock of... So I, I actually think interesting, an interesting vein here is that mm. like London and not London is probably like the biggest, the biggest divide, divide in yeah. The yeah, UK. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I remember when I moved to London and like obviously like all scumbags moved to like East London like a decade ago, like right near Dalston. Why like, do you think that's where our office is? <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I remember I was like, why are all the girls wearing like jeans and Converse and not like a single shred of fabric? And like <laughs> no, it was like very disconcerting. And then now when I go back to Derby I, I feel like a bit disturbed by it. I'm like, why all these 18 year olds like falling around in the street wearing absolutely no mm. clothes? It's like, I think that's yeah. one of the biggest differences in London and anywhere else. Is no, I completely think. agree. And that's very, yeah, that is very Essex, Essex as well yeah. as you were saying, Kay. Essex, like, yeah, yeah, if you go on a night out in like Brentwood or somewhere, like it will just <laughs> be exactly like, like if, if you take away the accents, it look, could be a picture from Newcastle or anywhere in the north. Um, <laughs> well, that's what I loved about the only ways Essex was they had all the, it was the sugar hut, wasn't it? And it was yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a bit like, you know, like in Scarface, Tony Montana's like mm. hanging out in the club. Like they had the big wig in the sugar hut, like surrounded oh, by yeah. his. And the decor, is so it's like a powerful energy the decor in those Essex nightclubs yeah like a kind of um like a conception of what luxury is (laughs) defined entirely by a guy called Gavin who has two ice white Range Rovers yeah it's like it's like that thing about how people say Trump is a poor poor person's idea of what a rich person is yeah 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 the gold lift the gold lift yeah it's like that kind of vibe isn't it like oh yeah I remember when I was at school there was a guy I was at school with extremely Essex family and his his mum's family were actually like proper wrong'uns they were like notorious local criminals and um but his dad his dad's family were like sort of quite wealthy they had this like railway engineering company but they were like proper rough nevertheless but like kind of they tried to sort of his dad always tried to put over this kind of like hard man image even though he was just a guy who like (laughs) laid railway track for a living and had like millions of pounds um and i remember like he always had like you know like the the biggest mercedes s class you could get with like a tv in every surface and like it was all like very they had this um house which i think had originally been pebble dash it was like a detached but like kind of because Harlow's a new town, you'd have a yeah. lot of houses that were built that like weren't council houses, but they were very much built in the same style. It was like a bigger detached house, but it still looked like a council house in that kind of like pebble yeah. dash yeah. grey PVC windows. And they'd renovated it 
and put this like fake Roman colonnade porch <laughs> on it and like an indoor pool and like this it was like massive but it just it looked like a sort of like Chernobyl council house like it was sort of, um, and um and I can remember once this was like this kid's birthday party and we're all there having like a sleepover and we we're going out to Pizza Hut for dinner so we all get in the back of his dad's fucking Merc or whatever it was and then while we're sitting in the back of the car waiting for some of the other kids to get in his dad like turns around and some reason addresses this to me and looks me dead in the eye and goes do you know I've got the entire collection of Ray Winston films and I'm just like right and then he goes my personal favourite is scum (laughs) (laughs) it's just stuck with me all these years if if Nate hasn't seen scum it's probably essential I have not Uh, I've not seen it either oh it's well I mean he's like a teenager in it I think it's pretty young it's like one of his early ones it's set in a boar stall which I don't Mm. know if Nate knows what a boar stall no it's like a young offenders yeah like kind of it's like something between a prison and a a high security boarding school yeah (laughs) it was like I, I don't know maybe they're introduced by Thatcher or probably earlier actually yeah 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 yeah. but like it was like a Venn diagram of school and prison and something in the middle of that Mm. so Borstal like B-O-R-S-T-A-L yeah 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 yeah. I feel like I've seen that word before and I've just glossed over it and not realized what it actually meant this this has happened to me before Milo was talking or somebody was talking about hearing something over the tannoy and I was like what (laughs) is that (laughs) not a word in America no it's not we would say say tannoy when they actually mean public address system tannoy is a brand name <laughs> I can't tell yeah, you that's yeah, yeah. Starmer or Alan Partridge. That is Alan Partridge. <laughs> Keir Starmer would welcome the tannoy. I would encourage them to go further by using the correct generic term to make it more understandable to a wider pool of voters. I, that is an interesting dynamic, though, that you've, you've set forth here that, like, perhaps one of the bigger divides is London versus not London yeah. and not, mm. as opposed to North versus South. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I realize now, like, I haven't really spent that much time outside of London in the South. I mean, I went for, during the general election in 2019. I went, <laughs> I went, I went canvassing in, in uh, Peterborough and in yeah. Crawley. Mm. And then my wife and I went to Bath like a couple of weeks ago. And I've been to Bristol, obviously, for, for Trash Future shows, but Bristol seems like its own sort of weird universe. Yeah. Um, other than Milo has taken, we, when we did Vox Pop videos for this Russian oh, comedy show, fuck. we went to Woking and Tunbridge Wells. Yeah. And There's nothing worse than towns in the home counties. Yeah. Like, there was nothing more bleak. I agree that. They just felt like slower, slightly grimmer London. They didn't feel like massively culturally different. But then you guys describing stuff in, in Oxford and Cambridge, and I could imagine, um, mm. I don't know, like parts of Essex, perhaps. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah, like it genuinely might feel different. I, I don't mm. know. I feel like the divide is like, there's definitely like a, it's not just London versus everywhere else, right? It's like London and quite a big chunk of the southeast yeah, of England right. yeah. versus yeah. like everywhere else maybe yeah there's like a big yeah. theory rather where the north south divide actually is right and whether mm. you should understand it by just like drawing a horizontal line across a map across the middle of the country or, go through Cromford which is in Derbyshire yeah. 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 Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or whether it runs from like the seven to like the Humber so like yeah that diagonal like, thing yeah uh, yeah because like Wolverhampton's not very far north but it feels kind feels of really northern. more and northern also, than like, it does southern yeah. yeah loads of like East Anglia is actually or like or like Norfolk yeah like Norfolk's well. kind of like, Norfolk's yeah. its own but thing it's actually really it? far north yeah. right. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. It's but just it's near Yorkshire, south, really. Right? But, but then you've got somewhere like Peterborough, which is like not in the south, not in the north, not in the Midlands, but it's yeah. just it's just fucking Mordor. Like that's the only way. There's no reason to go there ever. Um, <laughs> having having gone there, I'm normally one of these people who would be like, "Oh, Milo's being too harsh," but no, I agree. Well, I think yeah. uh, this is taking it a bit too pretentiously far, perhaps. But this is a belief of mine. Yeah, I believe that like the London not London thing explains Brexit because like. Mm. London was super in favor of, of like staying in the EU and all mm. these people from London were saying it's going to be terrible if we leave, le- yeah. leave the EU and everyone not in London was like well if these fucking London cunts are saying it's going to like be yeah. damaging to them we might as well go with it because my life's not yeah. great like Man, I, I remember yeah. my dad ringing me like the, the week before the Brexit referendum and being like everyone I know is voting leave yeah yeah and I was like well, that's it then, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and he knows a lot of people. He's one of those guys who knows everyone in the town that he lives in. They call him Ipsos Mori. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I honestly, yeah. I mean, I know it's it's been such a belabored comparison, mm. but I feel like there's a similar vibe with people voting Trump in mm. America in 2016 in yeah. the sense mm. that the coastal elite, there was this so. notion of like, because the people that, I mean, I'm, I'm from a... I'm from a red state. I'm from a state so red that aside from a weird, and I honestly think you could say spillover effect from Chicago, mm. uh, Indiana voted for Obama. And it was the first time in 2008, it was the first time that Indiana had uh, voted for a Democratic presidential candidate since the Civil Rights Act. And that is not a coincidence. Mm. Uh, and they only voted for Obama by like a margin of uh, like a five figure margin, like a low five figure one. Um, and obviously in uh, 2004 that went super hard for Bush in 2012 it went hard for Romney and, and Trump and, and super hard for Trump like extremely hard for Trump you know you had a, a state where the unemployment rate was so low in 2016 that they were mm. uh, contacting homeless shelters in nearby states to try to get people to towns like Terre Haute to work in like you know what you call caravan factories like making recreational vehicles because there was no like they couldn't find workers but people still you know very aggressively voted for Trump and there was a part of me that was sort of like is it because so many people who these people hate are on TV being like this would be the worst thing that ever yeah. happened yeah. to me mm. and that's exactly uh, what I'm describing like, sort of yeah, like, mm. yeah then, then their response is like well I'd love to make that person unhappy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, owning the libs but this is the thing as well it's like uh, you remember like we all knew Brexit was going to happen because Sunderland voted yeah. Brexit even though they had a Nissan factory there was mm. a similar thing in Derby we have a toy we actually have like manufacturing in Derby so there's mm. a Toyota factory mm-hmm. a bombardier factory and a rolls royce factory but as in mm-hmm. the jet engines not as in the cars right and like derby narrowly voted in favor of brexit it was like 51 or something like that right, okay even though like f- like toyota is the biggest employer and toyota had mm-hmm. said something which they it was a bit of a threat like i don't mm-hmm. think they followed through with it but they said like mm-hmm. we would leave derby potentially if it voted leave if we voted leave and yeah mm-hmm. to own the londoners like derby still voted brexit yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think people really... What I've had to come to terms with in the last 10 years is that people don't vote with any concept of their own self-interest right. in mind. It's no. like purely based on like superficial aesthetic no. choices. Um, but I think, yeah. Go on, sorry. No, you I was going to say, I think the really important thing about the Brexit vote, in the North especially, mm. was that like, okay, so there's lots of people in the North of England who would have this very instinctive kind of like tribal thing about like not voting for the Tories. Yeah. Mm. Right? And... Like lots of those people voted Brexit, yeah, right? and yeah. then like subsequent, what has changed since then is that when then the Conservatives then ran in twenty nineteen on get Brexit done, it was like, well, hang on, we've invested in this project, we've voted yeah. Brexit, and so mm. now we're going to vote for the party that says get Brexit done mm. in a way that like 
you know, they, they're, they're sort of already, they're so bought into that project now that for mm. the first time in like the history of their families, they would actually vote for the Tories because they've already mm. taken a sort of half step towards doing so by voting Brexit. Yeah. I think Brexit, that's like, Brexit was like so, a gateway drug yeah. to, to exactly. the Tory party. <laughs> well, exactly. I think, yeah, I think that's interesting because I think it's kind of, again, it, it takes us back to Essex because I think it's like the Essexification <laughs> of the North where what happened to Essex 20 years ago is sort of happening to the yeah. North now. Because like there are so many, like I mean, like Harlow, like where I grew up, it's a town almost entirely of little geezers descended from east end cockneys right and they're like families that were yeah they were east end cockneys they were like tribally labor like they would never vote anything other than labor but like by like the mid 90s they were almost all voting tory it was right to buy wasn't it exactly everyone yeah. bought their ho- council houses they're voting to- tory but they're still like yeah still working class <laughs> like yeah it's working class landlords is that that yeah, thing that's 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 a familiar refrain on trash futures yeah. i was talking about the the other the uh the metropolitan elite barista mm. versus the working class buy to let landlord <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's that i definitely think there are parallels there and, and i and it's weird because when i think about that phenomenon i do think that i remember us in 2019 having people on who made the prediction that you know people in the north would vote labor regardless and they they basically the argument being put forth kind of sounded to me like they're like well voters in the south are more fickle and brexit's more important to them they'll absolutely not vote labor if labor doesn't support a second referendum but the north like they're going to vote labor regardless because uh because they just could never countenance voting for the tories and it's like from what i could tell it seemed like a lot that that those people Mm -hmm. did exist they just didn't vote at all and if they didn't vote tory they just didn't vote at all and you look at some of these places like um um i'm i'm my mind is drawing blank um for Dennis Skinner's constituency. Oh, Bolsover. 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 Yeah. But if you looked at the the vote counts from 2019 versus 2017, it was it was a, a significant decrease, like like double-digit percentage decrease of people just didn't vote. Like it just it, and mm. I remember thinking, I was like, ah, well, they definitely put forth that theory and it definitely seems like it was wrong. And uh and now we live in complete hell. Um what do you mean now? <laughs> well <laughs> perhaps perhaps more so than before. But it's like, have they broken that link forever now as well? Right. Mm. Like, I wonder. I mean, I, I have seen polling recently that seemed to indicate that the Tories were actually doing quite poorly in what they've called red wall seats. Mm. And there was a, the, you know, in terms of like current intentions. They love Keir Starmer. And, they saw him, and, and they <laughs> saw him reversing that truck and they were like, he's but, but all there right. Was, there, is, there, is, there is a part of me that wonders like, has there, has there been, you know, how, are there people who are like, well, Brexit has in fact happened. And so now we don't have to vote Tory anymore. But I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, I guess the, the last question I had for you mm. was one of the phenomena that we we've talked about a bit and we've we've tried to explore on the show has been this conception that I think you were touching on this previously that the north is uniformly working class uniformly guys with whippets mm. and flat caps mm. full of gravy for some reason and the flat caps are full of gravy or the guys are yeah, full the of gravy is full of <laughs> gravy he's <laughs> carrying the flat <laughs> cap yeah. gravy and he's also carrying the a whip in away, the other hand. smacks a bomb you know <laughs> and uh, but there's also the point the, the two points that people have who are from the north that have been on the show and people that we talk to have, have tried to make is number one that that there are in fact wealthy Tory constituencies in the North as point number one. And point number two is that a lot of these places, their voting patterns don't just reflect some sort of like curmudgeonly attitude towards like hating, hating multiculturalism, but rather that like young people have left to go to cities for jobs. Mm. And, you know, that's why, and, and you can see it where I live, I live in Peckham and in our constituency, you know, even in 2019, you mm. had, you know, five figure majorities for labor. And it's like, well, you think about if you have a system in which, you know, those votes effectively don't count past the majority, then it doesn't surprise me that if, you know, lot there's an exodus of young people leaving for 
uh, London, but also leaving for Manchester or leaving for, I presume, I, I, I believe there there is kind of a draw, like a pull effect in bigger cities too, places like Sheffield and Liverpool. And I don't want to mm. sound like, an, pretend I'm an expert when I'm not. I'm wondering, what is your take on that? On that sort of like, mm. the perception of the North as this place where everyone is that, you know, maybe take out the gravy, but flat cap and, and whip it, at least in the caricature. <laughs> no, the gravy yeah, is mean, real. You mm. have like, you have, chips and, yeah. you have chips yeah. and gravy there on a night is, out. There is gravy. Like, we have to make sure you understand that. At the end of the night, you have chips, cheese and gravy. And it's the, it's the cheese, I think, that affront Southerners there and the gravy. It's not the, the combination of gravy, gravy or cheese, in, both fine. In Derby, um, you often have chips, cheese and gravy. At the end what of curry sauce? Curry sauce, I wouldn't combine Hopefully with Hopefully not gravy. in addition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's going to piss off the Indians, just really. Anyway, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, what do you make of this thing about everyone Everyone yeah, in the Nate whole was of the... asking us something sensible. Remember? Yeah, you did yeah. have a proper question. Yeah, perception that everyone in the North is yeah, like... what well, is your chip order? Let's go. Yeah, we can there descend we into yeah. gravy yeah. chat. We can yeah. talk about yeah. the map. We've, we've really got like to wrap up, actually, but we should do, yeah. we should do like just final thoughts, really. Yeah. I think the thing sure. is you don't get, so you did this episode on like posh, poshos basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And like yeah, you don't really, so there are like wealthy places in the north of England mm. and there are like Tory constituencies in the north. You don't get that like absolute posho yeah. thing mm. that, that you did, that you had that, the whole, that you could spend hours talking about. Like those people, they're just not really a thing in the north, yeah. right? So it's so, so. 100% so it's paradise agree. is what you're saying. <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess final thought on that. Like, yeah, that was a thing that when I went to university at a very yeah. privileged university in Cambridge, mm. having like K come from a state comprehensive school, like I just thought all private school people were like this amorphous mm. thing. And they're all, yeah. and then I just discovered there were like infinite gradations, like a menagerie of posh people oh, who were yeah. all, yeah. And, and like, you're right, like these, this does not exist. Like rich people exist in the North, but mm. much like your mate whose dad was, made money in the railways or whatever like they're yeah, yeah, people yeah. who've like made good generally yeah, not yeah, who've yeah. like inherited a yeah. load of land and are yeah. like yeah I mean, so scotland's a different question oh yeah. yeah i have met northern poshos but they're always from rural, very rural areas yeah. and they always sound like they're from the south yes. like you would never <laughs> remotely pick them out as yeah. northern That's i mean there fair. is like i guess like manchester grammar school right it's like one of the biggest NGS. private yeah. schools oh. In the country. Fuck, I have a story. Yeah, Mel Gibson. Final, final story. <laughs> final story. So, like, um, there was an incredibly posh person across my hall mm -hmm. at Cambridge. Mm. Um, and, like, I don't know, not fresh as week, maybe a few weeks in. He's not, it literally talks like this and all that. And mm. um, he starts referring to MGS, which, Kay's okay, laughing. <laughs> needs I, no explanation. I, 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 know, certain, I, I had no idea at the time people. what this was. But Hannah it, Gay Salmon. <laughs> yeah. But it was Manche it's Manchester Grammar School, which confusingly is not yeah. a grammar school. It's a very, like, no. But he kept referring Boarding to it, school. and I was like, "I was like, sorry, what, what, what are you talking about?" And he was like, "Well, Rob, you went to MGS." I was like, "No, I, I, I didn't." And he literally said, "But everyone in the north went to MGS." <laughs> <laughs> and this was not him trying to be funny. Yeah. This is like an actual non-marketing slogan of the school. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's my final thought on not being there from the is. north, but being right. from the north. Well, Rob and Kay, thank you so much for making time tonight to come and do this. We we really enjoyed this, and mm. we will hopefully not get massacred for our inability to cover the North with the <laughs> requisite respect. But we really appreciate it. Thanks, Kay, for being our properly pleasure. Northern. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to plug to our loyal hogs? Uh, read the FT. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I got nothing else. There's a story read. about the North in the FT tomorrow that yeah. I wrote. So this should come out soon over the weekend. So I will plug. I will pull the link from that mm. and plug that story in the show notes as well. 
Fantastic. All right. Well, we will see you next time. Thank you very much for being subscribers and for checking out Britainology as per usual.